the white fat is that stored energy and it's waiting for you to mobilize it. And that's where the brown fat can come in. So we're burning that fat instead of storing that fat. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren recording from New York City and I am staring at my sister on Zoom who's joining us from Las Vegas. Hello. Happy to be here. Renee. All right. My favorite topic. I guess. You win on this one. We're talking about, oh, first of all, can you guess what it is? Ah, It's in the title. It's already given away. (laughs) We are talking about cold thermogenesis today, which is the practice of intentionally exposing parts of the body to cold to induce a adaptive, what we call beneficial hormetic response. Yep. We're doing it on purpose and we'll tell you why. (laughs) I know it can seem like a cruel joke or just seem like complete torture to a lot of people. I know Renee is not a huge fan. She's still considering all of her options and the benefits. (laughs) No, I'm sold on it. I just, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. And that's why in a couple of weeks, we're going to do an episode all about heat exposure, which is my favorite. So this is yours. Couple of weeks down the road, we'll we'll do my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Heat is Renee's love language. I guess cold is mine. Yeah, I'm a little bit more miserable doing heat and you are a little more miserable doing cold. But there's some benefit to the being miserable. It's all about the discomfort, right? And that's why we're talking about hormesis because a small amount of stress, which you've heard us talk about many, many times, produces this rebound effect where we get all of these healthful beneficial effects. So the literature is really starting to stack up and support this practice, even though a couple of weeks ago on a a main morning news channel, some doctor was like, there's no research to support it. But like a very simple Google search brings up a plethora of studies. It's, I don't think this is even up for debate. Yeah. And a lot of the research is like decades old. It's not all brand new. It's just continuing to grow. Yeah. I'm not really sure what her agenda was, but (laughs) weird. she said it. I was like, all right, not true. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. All right. Cold. So how does this work? This is a pretty natural adaptive process. When humans are exposed to colder environments, we have to figure out a way to survive, right? Like cold is not always pleasant. Sometimes it makes us shiver, makes our lips turn blue. So we have these survival mechanisms where the body works harder to maintain homeostasis and regulate our core temperature because our bodies have to be at a certain temperature for all of our bodily functions to work. And there's two different responses that we can have to this cold in order to protect our core temperature. We can either rely on our insulating properties by changing our blood perfusion to decrease this heat loss, or actually this is an and, or we can increase our energy expenditure up to three to five fold above our resting energy expenditure. And what that does is counterbalances the heat that we lose. 
And the whole mechanism here, what we're getting to is this is the cold induced thermogenesis. So the body's adaptive response to maintain the core temperature. Yeah. It sounds like it's really just another way of slightly stressing the body. And then that's where we see that growth and repair and all the benefits. I think we can compare this across the board to, well, heat exposure, obviously, but exercise, fasting, right? All of these like little stressors. And then it's that rebound kind of counterbalancing effect, which is where we get the benefits. Yeah. And humans lived for millions of years without AC, without heat, without nice, warm, fuzzy Canadian goose coats. (laughs) We used to have to survive in nature. So it is perfectly reasonable that our bodies could be able to do this. Is that healthful over a long period of time? Probably not. Obviously we've seen our lifespan and health span, which we talked about recently has increased, but we can still kind of tap into this natural, what do we want to call it? It's a natural practice that our ancestors and human beings since the beginning of time have practiced and I think that there, there really is some value to that. So yeah, there's two components of this thermogenesis. There's shivering. So you can picture that shivering, goosebumps, blue lips, which I have blue lips today because I have blue canatine. Actually, no, sorry. I have just blue, just the methylene blue. My tongue is. You are a full on blue. <laughs> smurf today. That is a smurf tongue Full right there. smurf action today. My lips are blue. I did take a cold shower before I jumped on Zoom, but the blue lips are from the the methylene blue. So the shivering, and then there's the non-shivering. And studies have shown that shivering is able to provoke a five-fold increase in this resting energy expenditure. But the caveat here is that it is pretty uncomfortable and it can produce some fatigue. It compromises our locomotion and it could lead to hypothermia. And we want to make sure that we're ensuring human survival. So the alternative is the non-shivering thermogenesis, which is triggered mainly by mild cold, and it does not induce a large discomfort. So some options here, and that will make more sense when we go into the ways in which you can practice cold thermogenesis. It does not have to be freeze your butt off completely miserable. Sometimes just a small dose of slight cold can be really helpful. And I think this really comes down to the dose is the poison. We talk about this a lot, right? Like what is right for you? Like some people can endure like really tough catabolic workouts, something like a CrossFit multiple days a week. I can't handle that. <laughs> it's all about meeting your version of discomfort and being able to recover from that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, you have to just work with where you're starting and find really what you can do long-term. I think it's all about personalizing it. Yeah. Consistency. What can you commit to? I mean, just one bout of cold exposure is not going to change your life. It's what we practice consistently. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into the benefits. So why are we doing this to ourselves? What is the research showing (laughs) us? So many amazing health benefits. So number one, we see um, that it improves brain health. I want that. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) And one of the main mechanisms here is that it can actually restore the blood brain barrier. If you're not familiar with that, we also call it the BBB. It's not the biohacker babes. It's biohacker babes, brain barrier. Brains, biohacker <laughs> barrier. Yes. <babes. laughs> so you've probably heard of leaky gut. That is like all the rage lately, but we can also have a leaky brain. So we want a strong blood brain barrier to protect what's getting in and out of the brain. And we see that this cold exposure can actually help with this. So it actually increases blood flow and nitric oxide delivery to the brain, increasing this blood brain barrier integrity. 
So again, no leaky brain here. That's a, that's what we're aiming for. It's like your brain army, your brain shield. Yes. Brain shield. I like that. All right. We're going to call it the brain shield. So no leaky gut, no leaky brain. That's the goal. Also anti-aging. So it definitely increases cell longevity. So if you hopefully tuned into episode 100, we talked a lot about anti-aging principles. Cold exposure is a great one. And this is due to the down-regulation of mTOR pathways. So again, in that episode 100, we talked about the mTOR versus AMPK pathways and how we really need a balance of that. mTOR is a little bit more like anabolic growth development. We want some of that, but long-term for longevity, we really want to monitor these mTOR pathways. And cold exposure can down-regulate that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. We talked about the Avengers characters. We have like this little war between the two. Yeah. They're both going to win in the end. Just need a balance. Exactly. Yeah. Along with this cell longevity, we also see immune support, which sounds kind of crazy. You're like, you're telling me that I have to shiver, be miserable, and that's going to prevent me from getting sick. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> wait, I thought, I, I thought mom said, don't go outside in the cold unless you have your hat and your gloves and your coat on, mm-hmm, right? You're going to catch mm-hmm. a cold. Yeah. That's what all heard. Well, our good friend, Holistic Hilda, who's been on the podcast before, she changed catching a cold to catching cold, which is one of her favorite practices, just going outside with one less layer of clothing on. This works obviously in the winter, not right now. It is really hot outside, Mm -hmm. but just one less layer, like one less layer of comfort is going to expose you to this. And that actually strengthens the immune system. This is why the cold exposure coincides with hormonal changes like catecholamine release. And that can alter our immune status by regulating these cell types like natural killer cells, B cells, T cells. And what it's doing is just resulting in an immune cell mobilization so that they're just more sensitive, more aware. They're like showing up to fight. And another factor is these immune cells contain cold sensing transient receptor potential channels. That's a mouthful. Wow. They are affecting this signaling once they are activated. So again, it's like you're telling everyone to show up. This is your immune system army coming to the fight. One last thing, cold exposure also can alter levels of hormones like cytokines in our plasma. And that includes cortisol, interleukin-6. These are all part of the immune picture. And by getting that small dose, we're kind of just training the army to be fit and strong, ready to respond. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you're currently sick and your immune system is working extra, I would imagine you don't want to do cold exposure at that point, right? You want to probably do it more when you're healthy and can create that army. Yeah, I think I would definitely say this is more preventative. You don't want to add stress to your body when you're sick. Prevention is key. Awesome. Okay. So that's pretty short term. And then long term, we're looking at chronic disease prevention. So lots of research showing that cold exposure can increase insulin sensitivity. We know that sensitivity is good when you become insulin insensitive. That leads to diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and risk. We also see an increase in GLUT4, which is, it's an isoform of of glucose transporters. It's expressed in insulin sensitive tissues. So this is a positive. When exposed to cold environment, glucose utilization is also increased in brown adipose tissue. It's our bat fat, which we're going to talk about shortly. We also release adiponectin, which is a hormone that shuttles glucose into the cells. And also, God, there's like a million also's. Also, also so many great things. It increases circulating antioxidants. One of the major ones there is glutathione, which we know is great for oxidative stress. 
aging, things like cancer. Again, go back to our anti-aging episode. We talk all about this. So with this chronic disease, we're seeing a reduced in systemic inflammation and fighting all of these chronic diseases that come with aging. So a great thing to just start incorporating into your daily life. Yeah, it definitely needs to be part of a long-term plan. I mean, gosh, just the potential to prevent diabetes is incredible. Like, why, why wouldn't we do that? Yeah, rather than just stressing about your food, which, you know, we want to clean up our diet and make sure that our glucose is stable surrounding our food choices. But if you can have this extra little fight in the game that I promise yeah. isn't miserable, I promise we'll get to it soon. <laughs> yes, we'll talk why about not? the... The hard and easy options for this. So you can find what works. <laughs> we'll be delicate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so kind of along those lines, I mean, with the glucose support, we do see rapid fat loss, even without exercise. Of course, exercise is great and beneficial, but we can see this fat loss without it, which is pretty wild. So the cold thermogenesis, it influences your metabolism because it's actually stimulating that brown adipose tissue that Lauren just mentioned, the BAT, also known as brown fat. So if we can break down the types of fat in the body real quick. So brown fat, keep it simple. We call that like the good fat. White fat can be bad. So the brown adipose tissue, it actually generates heat by directly mobilizing the energy stored in white fat. And the white fat, while it helps insulate our organs, too much can be unhealthy. So we don't want too much of that in the body. The white fat is that stored energy and it's waiting for you to mobilize it. And that's where the brown fat can come in. By using non-shivering thermogenesis within the mitochondria of the brown fat, these calories are then turned into heat instead of ATP or energy. So we're burning that fat instead of storing that fat. And a lot of this brown fat, it's mainly found in like the upper body. So upper trapezius, the clavicle, upper back. And guess who has a ton of brown fat? Babies. <laughs> yes, babies have tons of brown fat. Yeah, so exercise and fasting actually do the same thing. They can stimulate this brown fat, but cold-induced thermogenesis has been proven to be way more effective. Infective? Effective. <laughs> Hopefully effective. Yeah, and Hopefully then- Hopefully effective. <laughs> yeah, and then another type of fat we actually see is beige adipose tissue. So if we're looking at the color scheme here, so the beige adipose tissue is actually found within the white adipose tissue after this cold exposure. So we call this the browning of the white fat. So we're taking using the good fat to help us burn away the bad fat. So key takeaway here, that cold exposure is going to help you burn more of the bad fat and increase the utilization of the good fat in the body. So that's how we can see rapid fat loss from this. It's so cool that there's all these ways that fat is working in your favor in your body. A lot of us just think yeah. about dietary fat, what's coming in, but your fat has its own mechanisms that are potentially helping you heal, help, helping you burn fat, helping you have more energy without you doing anything. Yeah, we need fat. That is not bad. We need it. And you know, you can do some really cool like body scans to actually see where more of this fat is sitting. I think most people know like the muffin top belly area, that's not fat that we want. We want it elsewhere in the body. So if we can burn through that, lots of health benefits there. And then along these lines, you know, cold exposure can also lower your appetite and it strengthens the appetite regulating vagus nerve. So that's the connection between the gut and brain. So you might find after cold exposure, maybe you can fast a little longer. Maybe you don't need as much to eat that day. So lowering your appetite is another added benefit. Cool. 
So with this internal temperature fluctuation, it's going to send blood and nitric oxide to your brain. Why do we need nitric oxide? Well, this helps oxygen delivery to the cells. It supports inflammation regulation. It supports sexual function, healthy blood flow, great recovery, great performance during exercise. We need nitric oxide in such an easy way to just boost that, that blood flow. Yeah. Rather than taking like a nitric oxide supplement, which is everywhere nowadays, this is another way to do it. Everywhere. Yeah. Okay. One of our favorite benefits, better sleep. We're always trying to get better sleep because if you are not sleeping, good luck. (laughs) So (laughs) the cold thermogenesis shows that it's actually reducing pain and stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system during slow wave sleep. This doesn't happen immediately. So immediately what happens with the cold exposure is that we're actually simulating the sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. And that's the hormetic stress response. So when you experience the cold, your nervous system goes, oh shit, I got to kick into gear to preserve your core body temperature, to make sure you survive. Your blood vessels start to constrict in your extremities. And so that's actually restricting blood flow so that your internal organ temperature doesn't drop your heart rate increases to pump blood where it needs to go and your lungs breathe more powerfully, more deeply. So maybe you're going to start to feel like an increase in your breath rate, your heart rate. You probably notice this if you just got really cold or jumped into a cold pool, right? You're like, oh my God. And the result here is that you're sympathetically boosting your cardiovascular system. And afterwards, so that's immediately. And then afterwards, we get this improved recovery response where then the parasympathetic actually becomes more strengthened. And you'll see that when you're sleeping in this slow wave, deep sleep. And we know if the parasympathetic is engaged, you're probably going to have less pain. And if you can have less pain when you sleep, you're going to sleep better. Who doesn't want less pain? And when we're talking about sleep, I always think about my best friend from childhood, Dana. I grew up with her. She used to sleep with wool socks on every night of her life. And I just thought that was super weird. I made fun of her. We all made fun of her. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just thought it was so uncomfortable. I was like, I don't want anything on my feet. I'm like, I, I already get really hot when I sleep. I don't know if this is just her natural intuition, but she loved the feeling of it. I now sleep with socks on. I have to say it works because what's happening is you get this distal vasodilation. So you get this increase of blood to your hands and your feet which then reduces your core body temperature much quicker. So your core temperature cools down. So in addition to like either pumping your AC, using a chili pad, whatever you can do to reduce the temperature in your room, cooling sheets, the sock wearing actually can contribute to that and make sure that you're a little bit cooler, which makes you more comfortable, which will allow you to sleep more peacefully. That's a pretty cheap biohack. Just some socks. socks. Yeah. <laughs> you, you probably already socks? own those. <laughs> and I know I've told this story before on the show too. Mr. Hathaway, our eighth grade history teacher. The only thing I remember from his history class, I'm so sorry, is he <laughs> said we should all be sleeping with socks and gloves on. <gasps> what? And I thought that was so weird. That's all I remember from eighth grade. Did like, he say why? <laughs> I mean, this is why, but did he say that? No, he just said he like swore by it. He was like, you will sleep better. But, you know, in eighth grade, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) That's all I learned in uh, eighth grade that year. (laughs) I love that man. He was awesome. I feel like I had him younger, like sixth or seventh grade. Maybe it was eighth grade. I remember the one thing I learned from him, nothing about health. He taught us that the word kernel, which is spelled C-O-L-O-N-E-L, pronounced kernel. And I was like, oh, it's not what it looks like. Oh, my gosh. 
Isn't that funny what like, we take I'm away? I'm so embarrassed. How long did I think this? So either in the seventh or the eighth grade, I was like, got it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Mr. Hadaway. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe it was sixth grade, maybe sometime in that, that range. <laughs> Anyways, full right, of wisdom. We're socks. <laughs> yes. All right. So we also see back to our benefits. We also see better workout recovery. And a lot of it is because of this nervous system creating the vasoconstriction. So it's narrowing the arteries and the blood vessels, which reduces blood flow to the damaged muscles. And then in return, we get reduced inflammation. We get mitigation of like swelling and bruising. And a lot of this is because of the increased circulation. So obviously higher in circulation, better blood flow. We need that inflammation, but we also, we don't want excess inflammation. That's why there's such a debate about do we ice injuries? Yeah, ice can be really helpful because we don't want excess swelling, but to a certain extent, we don't want to shut down the inflammatory process. So I think this is where like this mild cold exposure comes in. It's really beneficial. So we get like a little bit of both. Right. So I've heard it's better to ice for like an acute injury, right? Where there's that excess inflammation. But if you have like a chronic injury, don't keep icing it. That's not the answer. Yeah. You're creating kind of like a dead zone. You're like cutting off the the blood vessels. uh, You're decreasing range of motion, locomotion. At some point you need to like reactivate and mobilize and the ice is just going to kind of like cut all of that off. So acutely. Yes. Yeah. And then maybe this is a good time to bring up this debate about using cold exposure post-workout. Ooh. Right. (laughs) It seems like, I think some people just jumped on the train of when cryotherapy became really popular. It was like, I'm going to work out and then I'm going to jump in my cryo machine or jump in my ice plunge. But actually we, we are seeing that that's reducing that hormetic stress that we need. Mm-hmm. So unlike the research that's showing like a uh, post-workout sauna use being beneficial, I think the ice and the cold post-workout is not ideal. I think we want to wait. Yeah. I don't know what that duration is. I don't know how long you're supposed to wait, but I think if you're doing something for a health purpose, which exercise is, you want to make sure you're getting all of the benefits. So yeah, definitely some kind of grace period in there. I would say the cold exposure is better like first thing in the morning or you're even just doing like a quick walk in the morning, you come back and then do your cold shower, but not after like a like a harder, like anything that are breaking down muscle tissue, really putting strain in the cardiovascular system, like let your body respond to that first. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, sometimes you just have to, Think about it for yourself. What makes sense? Right. What makes sense? (laughs) Plenty of literature to support both sides, which is such a tricky thing in this day and age. There's like way too much literature. What do we trust? So if you find yourself getting confused, close your eyes, tap into your intuition. It's like, what really kind of resonates? What makes sense? And that makes sense to me. I'm I'm very happy to argue this, debate it, listen to any other counter arguments. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of research, I want to share one cool study I found. So these researchers, they actually immersed lab rats in cold water for four hours each day. The poor rats. But they burned so many extra calories. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> four hours? Whew. Oh, yeah, it's kind of long. <laughs> yeah. But these rats, they actually burned so many extra calories that they ended up eating twice as much as the control rats. And at first you're like, well, I don't want to eat more. But no these rats actually ended up weighing less and they live 10% longer. So sometimes it's okay to eat more because you're burning so much more. Calories in, calories out to some extent does matter. And there's so many other studies really similar to this that have found that animals, especially like the warm-blooded mammals, live longer when exposed to hormetic stressors, including heat, 
cold, fasting, things like that. Yeah. I can think of a human study, Michael Phelps. There you go. Think about how many calories he eats in a day. Remember when everyone was going crazy? It was like, how is he possibly eating like 10 to 20,000 calories in a day? And it was that NASA scientist, Ray Cronese, who does a lot of the cold thermogenesis research. Right. He was trying to figure out like, how, how can I lose weight? He was not able, he was doing all the things that he thought producing calories in versus calories out and he couldn't do it. And then he realized like Michael Phelps is spending all this time in cold water. So same as the lab rats, mm. at least four hours a day. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. At least. Like is insatiable. He cannot eat enough calories because he's burning so many calories. Yeah. Of course, swimming burns calories, but I think there's something right. to the cold exposure. And I think uh, Ray Cronice has more literature explaining, I don't know how cold it has to be or the time, but like, there you go for a human study. Yeah, that's so interesting. I do remember that, like when he shared what he was eating in a day and you were like, holy cow. <laughs> I'm like, I'll try to do that in a week. I'll try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I hate swimming, but I don't know. I don't know to just spend some more time in a, in a pool, cold pool. Cold pool, there you go. Yeah. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. I wanted to interrupt today's episode to tell you about an energy and immune boosting drink Lauren and I have been drinking for years. If you tend to crash after your morning cup of coffee, we have a great solution for you. Four Sigmatic provides these powerful mushroom elixirs, including my personal favorite, the Lion's Mane Coffee. It still has some caffeine, so I get a little boost from that, but it also has the powerful Lion's Mane to boost brain power as well as chaga, the king of mushrooms, for an extra immune-boosting effect. This is all rounded off with some rhodiola, which we know is really good for stress levels and for adrenal function. And this is just one of their many amazing products, so check out their website to learn more. And we will put the link to Four Sigmatic's website in our show notes. And don't forget to use our code BIOHACKERBABES to get 15% off. We hope you enjoy it. Okay. Since we talked about being miserable and cold, I think this is really important to note that cold exposure can actually help with depression. Scientists have found that regular cold showers, again, that's probably the easiest form, can provide relief to patients that are experiencing depression. And that's because the cold thermogenesis acts as a natural mood enhancer. So when you're experiencing this low temperature, We are activating the nervous system. We're also activating hormones like norepinephrine, beta endorphins are released. And these specific neurotransmitters help you build resilience, feel stronger mentally, lift your mood. So this natural balancing of your neurotransmitters, so your brain chemicals that really dictate your mood, your outlook on life, your perspective, your happiness, your joy. So just a cold shower can increase your mood. I know I feel that. I take a cold shower. I'm like, bam, I can do anything. Yeah. I dare you to take a cold shower and not feel just a little bit of a boost. Right. Right. I don't think anyone's ever gotten out of an ice plunge and been depressed. You're kind of exhilarated, exhilarated after. I guess that's not a dare. It's a challenge. Can you possibly feel that? Let us know. Let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So here's what you really need to know. This is how you do it. We have a very long list of more conservative to more aggressive approaches. The very easiest one is just doing a contrast cold shower. So this would be alternating your hot water with your cold water. I know that I love extremes. My water's either like scalding hot or it's freezing cold. Because of New York? I don't know. I just like it. No, no, no. That's a preference. My shower can be turned in the middle. I don't don't like it there. Oh, okay. So you could start out by just alternating. You could do 30 seconds on off, build up to 45, a minute. 
And really, this is just dependent on your level of experience or discomfort. Just try to push yourself to the brink of like not being able to withstand it and then you can back off. I think that's probably the easiest way to get started. Yeah. And a, a biohack for that, I was asking if it's just your New York City water, you know, because I think some people really say they can't get their shower to do that hot, cold like that. There is a new device on the market that you put on to your shower head and you just push a button and it's immediately like ice cold. <gasps> Why didn't I know about this? I should have told this? you. Is it on Amazon? They actually reached out to me to see if I wanted to test it. I should Maybe I should follow up on that. <laughs> maybe you should send them to me. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like my shower gets pretty cold, but it is cool. You just like push a button and it's ice cold. So that's a really oh, easy biohack yeah. there. Yes. All right, I I'll look it up this. for this you. It's like a game. If I could just have like a little game controller, I'm like, hot, cold, hot, cold. I would be so happy. It's a great invention. <laughs> so... Uh, you can experiment with your cold shower. I really love the Wim Hof app. I've been playing with that because he has so many cool challenges on there. If you don't know about Wim Hof, holy crap, you got to read about him. He's crazy. He's extreme, but man, he is wise. He is experienced. He has so much to offer. And he has a really great user-friendly app that does cold challenges, breath work exercises and challenges, pretty easy, like functional workout challenges. And the cold shower challenge on there, you start and it's like, Every day for a week, you I think you start with like a minute and 15, do that for a week. Second week, you increase it. I think up to week four, we're doing two minutes at a time. So you gradually mm. build because you'll get more comfortable. It'll just get easier and easier. That's the hormetic stress response, right? You get a little bit stronger, a little more resilient, and then you can tolerate more and more. That makes sense. Yeah. What was that Gwyneth Paltrow show on Netflix where they did a Wim Hof episode? Oh yeah. Do I don't remember the name of the show, but yeah, they dedicated a whole episode and they had him on there. Yeah. They had Wim Hof come in and all of her goop, I guess, employees got to train with him and jump in some ice cold lake. So that was a fun episode. So if you have Netflix, try and find that show. I thought it was pretty good. Oh yeah. I've like never wanted to be closer to Gwyneth Paltrow. I was like, I want to be her employee because all these cool <laughs> things they get to do for free. Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. That was a great show. So I would say the next step up, actually, I don't know. This kind of depends on preference. <laughs> yes. But we put down in the next on our list, an ice bath or cold water immersion. So this is when you are completely submerging yourself from the neck down in ice cold water. There's lots of retreats, workshops, so maybe like classes you could go to, or you could do this at home if you bought a cold plunge, a little bit easier to regulate the temperature and choose how much misery you want. <laughs> And they have pretty yeah. fancy ones out there. So like the, the Morozco Forge, which is like the dream cold plunge. Top it's of the line. Top of the line. I'm saving up in my piggy bank for this Morozco. <laughs> so it's a pre-built eight foot long ice bath and it has this advanced water cooling system. It's just like so sleek, super sexy. I really want one. If everyone, anyone has an extra one, they should send to me. I will accept. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot easier than going to the grocery store and buying five bags of ice and dumping that into your kiddie pool. That's what I was doing last year. We had a kiddie pool that they got for Rudy, our dog. And, you know, the ice just melts so fast in the summer. But, yeah, you know, yeah, depends on how much you want to spend. <laughs> exactly. So actually, I think a little bit easier than the ice bath also on this list is a cryotherapy chamber, which you probably have all heard of because it's been really popularized in the last five to 10 years. There's two options here. There's a nitrogen chamber where 
you're actually stepping on a platform and they adjust the height depending on your height. So your head is sticking out and then inside you wear gloves, you wear socks to protect your extremities. And then there's also an electric chamber where you go and like your whole body is in there. So like your, your eyelashes, like get a little frost on them. (laughs) (laughs) So I think there's benefits to both. Some people think that the nitrogen could potentially be hazardous. I think there's plenty of research to support. It's not that bad. I mean, nitrogen is in the air that we breathe. You're getting very limited. It's like three minutes. I don't think, I don't think that would be dangerous, but some people are what I think is cool about the electric is that you're getting your head in there. So you're getting this reoxygenation of the brain. I think it's so great to get the cold exposure on your head. I know in the cold shower too, I love the cold water on my head. It seems to wake me up and give me like an even better response. So yeah, that's the only one I've done is where my whole body was in. I haven't done the one where my head's popped out. Okay, so that the nitrogen where your head has popped out, those get colder. So they can get up to negative 166 to I think over minus 200 Fahrenheit. Whereas the electric only gets to about like negative 150. Only. Yeah, that, that yeah, only. I don't know like how rough, I don't know how exact those are. I know when I go in a nitrogen chamber with my head out, it is way colder, way colder. The mm. electric ones where your full body is in, I I seem to tolerate. I can dance around in there. I'm like, I'll probably spend more than three minutes. Interesting. You've never, oh, you have done the full. Where'd you do Just the full? Just the full. Um, at the Bulletproof Conference. Oh yeah. So they yeah. have it at Upgrade Labs also in LA. And Next Health, which is similar to Upgrade Labs, also in LA, which is where I did it. This place is so wild. It's in their lobby, the full body cryo chamber. And it's glass, but it's one way. So when you're inside, you can see everyone that's on the outside, but they can't see in. It is like crazy. It's so weird. You're like, I'm naked. This is awkward. <laughs> that's entertaining though. The, the three minutes probably goes faster because you're just watching people. Yeah. I'm like, what is that doing to your nervous system? You're just like so nervous that that they're lying to you. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, I want to go there. So it's entertainment value too. So those are your options for cryotherapy chambers. They're expensive though. So it's like, if you're going to spend money on that every day versus just doing a cold shower, which is free at home, again, consistency, what can you commit to? Yeah. I think cryotherapy is one of those things where it's like, if you have the money and you have the time to go do it, go for it. But I think if you can do the free stuff more often, yeah, probably worth it. Yeah. Hey there. I just wanted to interrupt today's show to tell you about a really exciting challenge that is coming up super soon. So if you are ready to take the plunge into cold thermogenesis, well, this is the perfect timing. Our friends over at Keon are hosting a free cold thermo challenge starting on August 2nd. Don't worry, you don't need any special equipment to participate. Once you sign up for the challenge, you'll learn how you can start reaping the benefits of cold exposure on your terms, whether it's through cold showers, cold plunges, or maybe even ice baths. You'll get free access to their cold exposure guide, daily tips and videos from top experts like Ben Greenfield, advice for creating your cold exposure practice, and the support of thousands of others around the world chilling alongside you plus a chance to enter an epic giveaway. So make sure you check out the show notes for today's episode for the link to sign up for this super fun challenge. And we hope to see you all there in August. Oh, and then just to go back with the cold shower, and you already mentioned Ray Cronis. I think so. Ray Cronis. I never know how to say his last name. But so his shiver system, his plan is actually you do the five minute cold shower 
in the beginning of your day. And then you do a five minute cold shower at the end of your day. So it's kind of like this like bookend on mm. your day. And for that five minutes, it's not full five minutes cold. Oh my goodness. It's 20 <laughs> seconds cold, 10 seconds warm, repeat 10 times. So similar oh, wow. to- wow. That's like a Tabata. So I think you probably yeah. wouldn't need the button in that case because it's normally it takes like 10 seconds to change it. Right. That would be pretty fast. All right. But that's I where do, the biohack comes in. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So but morning and evening. I would be eight times, but- Right. If you do the math. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And then another really cool one is actually to use some hot, cold contrast. So you would do a 20 minute hot magnesium salt bath. Lots of benefits alone with doing that. But then right when you get out, then you do the five minute ice cold shower or as long as you can, I would say at least two to three minutes. We're going to talk a lot more about the heat exposure in a future episode, but just know that the contrast can be really beneficial with that. You're like biting your lip. I want to talk about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Heat now. (laughs) Yeah. Also, just keeping your home cold. That's a biohack right there. Um, A little more expensive, but yeah. Yeah, depending on where you live. Oh, I just got my electric bill yesterday for a summer in Vegas. Oh, oh my gosh. It's crazy with, because it's been like 115 so many days in a row. So yeah, I believe it. I mean, even here too, (laughs) our bill goes up like fourfold in the summer. Yep, yep. But just like I said, keep your home as cold as you can and then try and go outside and get in the heat. Again, that contrast is really helpful because we need that change. I think so many of us are just, we're inside temperature controlled. We go to our car, it's temperature controlled. We go to our office, it's temperature controlled. Like our body needs that variation, just like it needs variation with our diet and exercise and everything in life. So Mm -hmm. just be mindful of that. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. We're all like just trying to be more comfortable all the time. Yes. Like in the, in the summer, we're like turning our AC so we don't have to be hot. I mean, it's great to turn your AC so you get that variation, but probably better just like let yourself be a little uncomfortable and hot and then jump in a cold shower. Definitely less expensive than just keeping your AC on all day to be comfortable. Right. I actually like it hot during the day, but the problem is I need it cold when I sleep at night and my bedroom being on the third floor. If I let my house get too hot during the day, it will never cool down. Ooh, and I need it to yeah. sleep. So got to find You're that balance have, there. Got to sleep in the basement with Max. Oh, yeah. Cold down there. Max is my little boy kitty. He gets That's to sleep where I downstairs. Sleep in the basement. <laughs> in the sauna room. Yeah. All right. So get, get more cold that way. And then a couple other cool biohacks. So there's this cool fat burner vest, which goes on like your upper body. And then there's the cool gut buster, which wraps around like your midsection. So both of these, it's like topical cold, but the guy that invented this swears by it. Like he eats, he eats like Michael Phelps and just wears these around one to two hours a day. And he says that it just burns so many extra calories. Cool. I got to get that gut buster. Yeah. Cool gut buster. Awesome. And then our last biohack for getting cold is the strike, stroll and shiver protocol from Ben Greenfield. I love this. I think it's something that we can all do every morning easily. So this is how we do it. Strike. You start off with a cup of either black coffee or green tea, something that's going to increase that thermogenesis in the body. You can also add some blood sugar stabilizers with this. So something like berberine or maybe some cinnamon in your coffee. If you're worried about losing muscle mass, you could also add in some essential amino acids here. So that'll preserve that muscle mass while you're fasting and doing this. So once you get that in your system, then you go and do just 10 up to 40 minutes of a light aerobic session. So that could be just going for a walk outside or doing some yoga. Maybe you jump in your sauna. And then right after 
that's where the cold comes in, the shiver. So two to five minutes of cold exposure, and you can do any of the options we just mentioned. So that's strike, stroll, shiver, amazing for burning fat and anti-aging. So many great health benefits there. Love it. Easy, yeah. fun, debatable, free. <laughs> Almost free. Yeah. Depending Almost on free. your choice. <laughs> yeah. So just as a disclaimer, there are some potential risks to cold exposure. Again, the dose is the poison. You have to know your own health status, your reaction to any type of nutritional lifestyle exercise inputs. We know exposure to extreme cold could potentially lead to a cardiac event. So I would just know your health history because this can affect blood flow to vital organs, your blood pressure could induce a cardiac arrhythmia especially the ice baths because they're pretty aggressive. It's, I mean, it's a stress. So we just always want to modulate, make sure we're getting the right dose of stress because too much of it, too much stress, as we know, could potentially cause a a health problem. So remember the dose is the poison. We just want a very minimal, minimal exposure. That's the hormetic stress to get this rebound of all these health benefits. Yeah. And I would just add, if you are jumping into this, into the cold plunge, (laughs) this is new to you. I would make sure you're with someone like, don't go jump in like an ice cold lake or an even ice bath by yourself. I think just always have someone with you. If you're starting this cold shower, you can do that by yourself. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) But the other ones I would have a friend. That's a solo activity. Otherwise find a cold buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Great. So just some things to remember. So these are the factors that go into it. The time, the temperature, the type and the technique. I just realized these are all T's. So the four T's. And again, this is super personal. There's a lot of studies on this about how much time we really need to spend. I mean, there was a study comparing 20 seconds of cold water immersion to two minutes of whole body cryotherapy. And they actually found that the results were pretty more or less identical. So again, choose your preference. And then with temperature. So some studies are showing that for the same length of exposure, water that was 68 degrees Fahrenheit, which doesn't sound that bad, right? 68 degrees. So that water actually did not activate noradrenaline release while exposure at 57.2, that is so specific, actually saw a 530% increase according to this study. So sometimes just like the slightest change also depends on where you're coming from. Are you already pretty warm before you're getting in the cold? Are you freezing when you get in? And obviously you're in a, your body temperature is going to drop much more quickly. So I would experiment. I love like a 55 degree water. That feels pretty good to me. Hmm. Okay. And then type cryo versus water or ice bath. It's whichever one you can do consistently. Like we said, I was more expensive, whatever you can fit into your schedule, your lifestyle, whichever one you're going to do on a regular basis is probably more beneficial. And the technique, how do you do it? A lot of people do breath work. There's so many retreats like Crits and Weitzel does breath work workshops in cold. My friend Yuri in Brooklyn does them. There's lots of Wim Hof instructors that are leading these. I would say there's no right or wrong. It just requires a little discomfort And then with these breathwork instructors, what I love that they're doing is that they're bringing in this like love and acceptance piece or like getting into the mental resiliency and some meditation. So you're getting all these mental benefits too. So sometimes that discomfort is just preparing you to deal with challenges. So it's not necessarily what's happening with your organs, your core temperature. We're building resilience. Right. That mind over matter. Yeah. Definitely mind over matter. 
So I think the takeaway is just go through the four T's. What works for you? What time works for you? What temperature works for you? Type, tech, how do you want to practice this to make it work for you? There's so many different options. Again, Wim Hof is an excellent resource. You mentioned our friends, Crits and Weitzel, my friend Uriel, add these all in the show notes. There's so many people leading different ways to do it. So I think if you don't think cold exposure is for you, I promise there's probably a version of it that is for you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So check out the show notes, see where you can start with all this. So many great options. So to wrap it up, how do we know if it's working if we're doing it? Right, <laughs> right. We want to know that it's working. So some of the benefits mm-hmm. you'll you'll feel and notice right away, number one, endorphins, right? We said like, you're not going to feel depressed when we, you get out of that cold shower. So that release of endorphins is so powerful. Better yeah, if you sleep. feel like, if you feel like crap, then you can tell us to shut up and never do it again. All right. Yes. <laughs> again, that's your challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also better sleep. So you might feel this just on your own, but if you have a sleep tracker, like an aura ring or a biostrap, you might actually see an increase in deep sleep. So track that, see what's going on there. And then like Lauren was just saying that mental, emotional resilience. So how you would feel this is maybe the next time you get in something stressful happens or you get in an argument, you might just feel like you can bounce back faster. It doesn't really like take you down for the day. So that mental piece is so, so helpful. Also better focus. So that's why potentially doing a cold shower in the morning can get you really running for the day. So better mental clarity, focus, memory, all of those amazing brain benefits there. And then another great thing you can quantify is your heart rate variability. So again, or a, or a ring or a biostrap, something like that we do see an improvement in heart rate variability. And that really is tying back to that resilience, right? We're more resilient to stress and that's where that HRV comes in. Yeah, I think this is one of the greatest N of one experiments that you can do on yourself. I mean, we're so happy. There's so many studies, a lot of research surrounding this, but at the end of the day, it has to work for you and you can determine that. So experiment, explore, track it, quantify it, see what it's improving, what it's not play with all these different variables and find how this can actually fit into your life to create resilience and better health. Yeah. I love that so much. All right. Well, it's <laughs> your homework. Like, going to get in the cold shower right now? No, you're not. <laughs> yes, right now. All right. So everyone's homework is to do your cold exposure, take a picture if you can, post it on Instagram, tag us. We want to see what you're doing. All yeah, right. your cold of choice. And please scroll down, check out the show notes. We're going to include if you are in NYC, LA, Vegas, these major cities, we've listed some places you can go to either do a crowd chamber or a cold workshop. And then some resources if you want an at-home ice barrel or like an inflatable soaking tub, or if you're going to get that Morazco, I am jealous. Definitely Lauren take be, a picture of that. Lauren will be there in <laughs> like, two seconds. I'm be knocking on your door. Lots of resources for you to play with and we hope you enjoy them. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.